0: Jaw-dropping sale prices for ag land in recent months have left analysts scrambling to figure out what might be ahead. What's driving the fierce competition in farmland markets? That's today on Field Posts. This is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. Just a few weeks ago, a record-setting price of $26,000 per acre was paid for a stretch of Iowa farmland, representing the latest in what seems like an unstoppable upward trend in sales. There doesn't seem to be any ceiling for this market. And today, DTN's Victoria Myers joins us to discuss her recent story about America's new land rush. She'll walk us through the current trends in the market, who's driving it, and how individuals and organizations within ag and without are responding. Then Victoria will bring us up to date on what might be ahead for the land market, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by the 2021 DTN Ag Summit. DTN Ag Summit is an annual opportunity for farmers to learn, network, and refresh as they prepare for the year ahead. And this year, the event is back live in Chicago, better than ever. With the theme of Power Up Your Business, the DTN and Progressive Farmer editors have packed the agenda with content to help you thrive, including enlightening sessions on leadership and building trust, the outlook for the global agricultural economy and trade, and the latest in on-farm technology. With breakout sessions on employee management, taxes, and more, you'll walk away with knowledge you'll need to dominate in the year ahead. And make sure to join us for our popular breakfast roundtables, grab a plate, and join other farmers in discussing today's most timely topics. To register and learn more, visit DTN.com backslash AgSummit. Now, back to the show. DTN senior editor Victoria Myers has been following trends in land prices for years as part of an ongoing series. Victoria, you have been doing some awesome reporting on land values, which have been such a key headline, I think, recently. I want to start off with just asking, are what we're seeing just one-off big deals, or is this these higher prices or really astronomically high prices? Is that a trend you're seeing across the board?
1: Yes, Sarah, I've been writing uh, some version of this land value story for many years, and this trend, this upward trend in value for cropland has been going on for quite some time. There's been a lot of conversation around the idea of it being a bubble, of it being influenced by the low interest rates and other theories about why it's continued as long as it has. But it seems like every year when we talk about the idea that it just can't go on any longer, it just keeps going. I really think that farmers have always seen the value in cropland and pasture land, but it's just increasingly become something that's extremely attractive to those outside of the agricultural community.
0: You know, I'm curious in terms of just this moment and how accelerated things are here, is this mostly being driven by interest from farmers, is it mostly folks maybe pandemic driven who are moving into rural areas or is are we seeing a lot of movement on the investment side, any trends there?
1: It's a little bit of everything. I mean, I would start out by saying that the people that we talked to frequently and interviewed for this story continue to say the majority of the buyers in the Farmland market are in fact farmers. They continue to dominate the market, probably 75%. It just depends on the area. You mentioned urbanites moving into more rural areas and that has been a trend, but that has shown up more in regards with recreational land, not so much farmland that's used for cropping and large scale operations. And the investment side, we have seen an increase in the number of, of large group investors coming in and buying land, and then they rent it back to the farmer, so he will continue to work it at least for a period of time. That's often part of the agreement. Okay,
0: yeah, you mentioned in one of your articles having the fact that farmland has just been such an attractive investment option, beating the S&P 500 in some cases. I, you've written about how that has attracted uh, foreign land investment in particular. What's going on with that story?
1: That's an interesting thing. And we decided to approach the story from that angle this time. We don't have a lot of current information, but as late as 2019, I think foreign investors were found to hold over 35 million acres which is an area larger than the state of New York. And foreign farmland holdings in the last 17 years have more than doubled. Now, this is just what we know of because uh, a foreign entity can buy an American company and they don't necessarily show up in, in disclosures and things like that as being the owner of land. So there are a lot of people who believe that A great deal more control is being held over our agricultural land than we actually know at this point in time. I'm curious, looking at that question of foreign land
0: investment, is that a regional trend? Is that, I think we think of Iowa, Illinois, Indiana as being the epicenter of those really high prices. Is that where we're seeing most of that foreign investment or... Are there states where their prices are a little bit lower maybe and the impacts are just not as large?
1: I've seen it in all states. Um, I don't know that there's one area specifically that tends to show this more often than others. And it's not always that foreign entities are buying up cropland. I found many examples in my research where companies are buying up land to put uh, wind turbines on for energy. And so it, it just sort of depends on what you're looking at. But this is not a new issue. If you go back to the 1970s in the US, uh, we had a lot of investors coming here from Spain and Japan, and they were buying up large tracts of US ag land. Um, and around that time, over 20 states moved to ban foreign ownership of farmland. So we've dealt with this in the past, but it's a little different today. The groups, the Farm Alliance with Joe Maxwell, they believe that at that time, what those acts of those foreign investors did was they created an environment where incoming farmers could not buy farmland. But today they say this is a food and national security issue. And it's an issue of control of our land. And so that's a different way of looking at it. And I think that is probably uh, a key point to consider right now, the way with the situation we've seen with COVID, for example, you know how we can wind up with shortages and how our food sector can be impacted. And so there is this drive right now among many groups where they wanna see something done in the name of national security to protect our agricultural lands. That's so interesting because I think
0: on today, that question of whether new and beginning farmers have access to farmland is still very much something that people are thinking about and worrying about. But yeah, you spoke to a young person from New York City who wrote a story, which I think is a super interesting way to think about that reframing foreign farmland ownership, not as a, as just a farm, how expensive is farmland? How competitive is it to purchase farmland into a, this is a question of national security. This is a kind of international relations question. So I wonder if you could just talk about why you decided to include uh, that story and what might it mean that people well outside of just U.S. agriculture are starting to pay attention to this and really get interested.
1: Yeah, I ran across this. It was actually in Newsweek magazine. It was an editorial column written by a young man by the name of Sam, who lives in New York. He's 20 years old and he talked to us for this story. And I was just fascinated because. An urbanite who had never been on a farm suddenly cared who owned uh, America's farmland. And I thought that was a real turning point in our nation. And we talked to Sam about that and he had done a great deal of research and his concern was, was somewhat narrowly focused around Chinese ownership of U.S. agricultural land. And he was very concerned that Chinese companies could buy and have bought American companies. And those American companies held large numbers of acres of farmland. And that as a result, Chinese government had control of that land. he pointed out that during COVID, when there was a pork shortage due to African swine fever in China, that the Chinese government increased production in the U S of pork through these holdings and export it directly to China. So Sam pointed out that, you know, their exports from the U S were going to feed other countries, not to American consumers. And, and I think that he said, that's really tough for me to think about. And he said, at some point, I'm worried I could go to the supermarket and nothing's going to be there, even though it's being produced. And that is really a turning point for American agriculture. There are people like Sam living in New York City who want to be sure that our farmers and our ranchers are protected. And I just think that is really uh, key right now in what's happening in terms of our country. I'm curious, too, with all of these
0: different factors weighing on land markets, and, and we've really seen some, I think it seems like every few weeks there's a jaw-dropping sale that you can find in the news. Is there anything in your research that you found that makes it seem like this there might be an end in sight, or does it look like there's just more upward upward uh, movement for land prices to get you know more expensive even than they are now
1: that's a very difficult question there are a lot of people who follow this every single day who've been telling me for years that it just can't last and as i mentioned at the beginning of our conversation every year i go back and i talk to them later and we laugh because it's still going on but in in my mind there there are two things happening right now that do tend to point to a moderation or perhaps a downward trend in land prices. One of those are interest rates. I think that we all anticipate that finally, after talking about it for a long time, we are on the verge of seeing interest rates climb. And there is a relationship between land values and interest rates. Lower interest rates tend to support higher land values, higher property values, and the inverse is true as well. So as interest rates go up, we often see property values and land values moderate somewhat. And secondly, I think that when we look ahead, there's a lot of concern right now regarding estate planning and taxes as farms and ranches are are passed down generationally. Those elements combined with some really high prices have encouraged people who were sort of on the fence to go ahead and put their property on the market right now or some part of their property it looks like it's sort of peak time to sell farmland and so i started to hear from our brokers and our analysts that a great deal more farmland is coming up onto the market as we move into the winter months and so if we have this combination of more land on the market and increasing interest rates. And then we have these political issues with taxes and estate planning. I think that it certainly provides some support for the idea that we'll see prices moderate or fall off to some degree. I don't think they're going to fall off the cliff. But I think we could see a reversal of this just continuous upward trend in values. You can
0: read Victoria's ongoing coverage of land issues in the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine and online at DTNPF.com. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Victoria Myers. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until then, remember, The future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month, depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit DTN.com.